You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Here we are doing a sermon series on the seven commands of Jesus through the gospel commands. It is not commands. It is the seven signs of Jesus. I also have a thing that I do with people about the seven commands of Jesus. If you want to do that, let's do that. This is about the seven signs of Jesus. And those are the seven that we're going to be going through. Some healing. We did water to wine last week. Uh, We got walking. We got all kinds of stuff. Bread, eyesight, um, mummies, you know, everything, a little bit of everything, actually. And so um, we're doing the seven signs of Jesus uh, uh, through this sermon series, all the way through Easter. Really what's going on is that John's gospel is organized around the number seven. Lots of sevens. In chapter one, Jesus has seven titles that people refer to him as. Um, but lots of sevens going on in the book of John. Seven, if you don't know, is the biblical number for wholeness or completion or perfection. There are seven I am statements. When God reveals God's self to Moses in the burning bush, Moses says, what's your name? And God says, I am who I am or I am that I am. And that's the divine name revealed to Moses. And Jesus takes that name and applies it to himself seven times famously in this. We're not doing the seven I am statements. We're doing the seven signs. But one of my favorite I am statements is Jesus is talking to some people coming to arrest him, and he just goes, I am. And they just fall on the ground. It's so powerful when he does it, it just knocks them to the ground. So um, the I am statements are powerful. But we want to talk about the signs, the miracles. There's seven of them, important ones, in John's gospel. He's orienting his whole gospel around this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the final gospel. And he wants to orient around these signs. He calls them signs. They're miracles, but he wants to call them signs. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the first three Gospels, and they have miracles too, but they call them powers or works, right? We get our word dynamite from that, and they want you to know that God's kingdom is here, that God is becoming king of God's creation again. John wants you to know through these signs that the king is here, that the king is in our midst, And so John does a reverse order of his gospel. I don't even have time to get into it, but it's lovely. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they begin with a human Jesus, and he ends on the cross, divine, and and we proclaim that he is God. John reverses that. He begins with a, a divine Jesus, and by the time we get to the cross, we see his humanity. John flips it because he wants you to know that the king is in our midst. These miracles, these signs are meant to prove three things, his power, show us his identity, and to encourage us to have faith in him, to increase our faith, our trust in him. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to send them at any time. We'll do our best to answer those, if not today, throughout the week. I do have more slides than normal today, so we'll see how that bears out. But feel free to send any time. We'll do our best. Uh, Today we're talking about the, the sign, the miracle, called healing the royal official's son. This is what they call it. Healing of the royal official's son. And I want, as always, to do some bad news. Because I think if we can understand the bad news, we'll better understand the good news of the gospel. If we can find ourselves in the bad news as a human experience that we all struggle with, then we'll better receive 
the glorious good news that Jesus has for us. And this is the bad news. I'm going to give you the first part of this story. Pull some bad news out of it. It says this, Jesus returned to Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. Your little alarm bell should be going off, right? The gospel is trying to tell you something, that Jesus is going back to the place where he did a sign before, the first sign of uh, his ministry. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick. I was just talking to somebody earlier. I've been sick for like six months. What's going on out there? Y'all been sick for like three months? I need a royal official dad to just be petitioning to the Lord on my behalf, it sounds like. Just not feeling my best. It's also 40s creeping up on me. I don't know, maybe this is just 40, but just not feeling my best. Royal official's son who was sick. He heard that Jesus was coming back from Jerusalem, Judea, back to Galilee, the region, and he went to meet him and asked Jesus if he would come the 15 miles to the place in Capernaum and heal his son. For his son was about to die, and Jesus said to him, unless you see miraculous signs and wonders, you won't believe. I think Jesus has given us some bad news there. And for me, it's this. If our faith, if our faith is to make or break on the miraculous, it won't make it. If it's too dependent on seeing miracles all the time, it's not going to be long-lasting. It's not going to sustain you. It's not going to help you grow closer to Jesus. If this is the thing that you are dependent on, you're not going to be on this journey for very long. I'm thinking of a few stories. Uh, uh, I'm using them as illustrations. But one time I uh, knew a Christian brother that I'd gone to church with, and I saw him at a gas station, and he said, hey, that Powerball is like 10 billion dollars or whatever and I was like I know wild huh and he was like I just got some tickets and I was like cool good luck and he was like pray that I win I was like and I laughed like you laughed and he was like I'm being serious I could really use that money and I was like can't we all and he was like do you know how much good I could do for the Lord if I won that I'll build you a church right now and I went I don't think that's how this works my man you're not going to bargain with God for $10 billion, or whatever it was. And he was like, I just, I really need that. Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a faith that has a lot riding on a miracle. That's a, I was like, we're both more likely to get struck by lightning right now than you hitting that thing. Um, it just felt like one of those times where like a faith might be too dependent on the miraculous. I had a dear friend for a long time that was convinced that if he just went to church, God was going to bring him a spouse. And that was one of his motivating factors was to go to church was he wanted miraculous intervention to get a spouse. And I said, hey, Jesus didn't even have a spouse. That brother was unmarried. And he's like, I just, I'm naming it and claiming it. If I'm here, God will see me and he will bring me a spouse. And I went, that's a lot of pressure on your spiritual journey that maybe God is not wanting to do. Uh, Maybe that's just not in uh, God's plan for you, but it was part of what was going on. I met a, a, a brother who was going to jail. And he said, I'm not really reading my Bible right now because I got to go to jail. I got to finish off some stuff. But I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read it every day when I'm in there and maybe God will get me out early. And I was like, brother, It ain't magic. 
This isn't magic. This isn't magic. I want, I'm, I want you to read. Some of that stuff you might glean from reading might help you on the inside. You know what I mean? Humility. Just keeping your nose. He's like, no, I'm going to read it when I'm in there. and Maybe God will see me and let me out early. And I went, I'll pray that that is so. That's a lot of faith riding on the miraculous. And uh, some of those people are no longer on that spiritual journey with Jesus. And I think it has something to do with the way that they were uh, just front-loading this faith with their dependence on a certain type of miracle that they needed. God may do one for you, but if God doesn't, will you make it? I think that's part of the story today. And throughout these signs, some people do and some people don't. Jesus is doing miracles, and some people uh, don't recognize Jesus as the miracle maker, and some people do. And so one of the themes from these signs is that uh, Jesus, is, uh, Jesus is pretty nervous about a faith that is reliant on miracles. We believe miracles happen. I want you to experience miracles, but a faith too reliant on them, Jesus gets, uh, he's nervous about your journey. Uh, let's read some gospel together. I don't have a page number for you. We'll find it. Let's read the rest of that story, see what happens. Um, in John chapter 4, it's the last story in John chapter 4. Whoever gets there first, call out that page number. 812, 812. Yeah, yeah. Still got it. Just kidding, everybody. <laughs> 812, page 812, if you're in the same Bible that I'm in, John chapter 4, the last story in the chapter uh, of the fourth chapter of John, we read the first part, a royal official has come down because Jesus has returned and he wants healing for a son who is about to die, this is where we are, and Jesus is, says, unless you see miraculous signs and wonders, you won't believe, at the top of my page, verse 49, the story continues, the royal official said to him, Lord, come before my son dies. He's persistent. He pushes in. Even though Jesus discouraged him, he, he still leaned into this. And Jesus replied, go home. Your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and set out for his home. And while he was on the way, his servants were already coming to meet him. And they said, your son lives. And so he asked them at what time his son started to get better. And they said, I don't know, like a yesterday, one o'clock yesterday, the fever started leaving. And the father realized that his exact hour that Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus did while going from Judea to Galilee. And that's the word of the Lord for us today. As always, I got three points for us. Something for us to know with our head, experience with our hearts and in ourselves, and do with our hands so that we have a holistic faith that moves to us, through us, and back out into the world so that we don't get all locked up and jammed up in here. Take God's word and let it transform us so that we can continue to be on mission with Jesus in the world. And I ask three questions. What does God want us to know, feel, and do? That's the questions I ask almost every time I come to the text. And for me, this is what was speaking to me in this passage, in this theme today. Is that reluctant Jesus still loves us and it does what is best for us for faith. Jesus said, unless you see it, you won't. He, Jesus doesn't want to do this. 
And if you remember last week, Jesus didn't want to do the wine one either. His mom was like, we need some wine. And he's like, what does that have to do with me, right? What does that have to do with me? My hour has not come. This is two miraculous signs, uh, one and two. This is two of two. This is 100% of the miracles that Jesus has done so far in the Gospel of John. And he's pretty reluctant. Does not want to do them. And yet, he does. For the people around him. Because he loves them and he desires to see their faith grown, strengthened. So I think that's something for us to know. That's a head point for us to know. Is that Jesus is often reluctant in the Gospels to do miracles, but he does them because he desires our faith to be strengthened and to grow. But the purpose is about our faith, not about us getting the miracle. Jesus is pretty uninterested in the miracle. He's very interested in our faith, our trust growing in Jesus. Right? Just a reminder, our little bells should be going off, as I said earlier, because he's going back to the place he did his first one. And remember his willingness to produce wine? Not very willing. Not very willing. Woman, he says to his own mother. Can you imagine? Woman! What does that have to do with me? And she said, hey, everyone in this room, just do whatever he tells you. I know he's got this. And he's got this. He did it. His reluctance is a theme in John's gospel. He is reluctant. But he gives us and gives them what they need to grow our faith into maturity to help us grow. I resonate with this because I got kids and they want to do a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want them to do all the time, every day. Just push the boundary, just pushing boundaries and you got to be calm. I don't know if you know this, but you're supposed to be calm now with kids. I don't know when that switched. (laughs) Also, you got to play with them. You got to play with them now. I don't think I ever played with my parents. Outside is who I played with. Not allowed to go outside anymore, apparently. It's dangerous. Even though violent crime is down, it's like a 50-year low. There's no stranger danger anymore. They're outside less than they've ever been. My parents were like, please go outside, lock the door. I was out there all day, just struggling. Uh, Anyways, back to my point. Identify with Jesus because there's a lot of things that I'm reluctant to let them do, but they, I let them do because they're growing into human beings and someday I'm not going to be there and someday they have to make their own decisions and it scares me to death, like letting them walk home from school. I don't want them to do that. Now, did I ride my bike every day to school in the rain, in the snow? blizzards in Orville? Do you remember? It feels like that happened. Yeah, I did every day. Not a single problem. One time a guy chucked a milk jug at me. I still am scarred by it. Nothing else. It was fine. My kids are like, can we walk home? And I'm like, ah, but can I just come get you? Right? This happens with so many things. Phone? The phone. There's a fo- They want the phone. They're, they want the phone. And I don't want them to hate, have it. I hate it. I hate it. But I realized that I talked to my friends a lot on the phone. It was really helpful for me to stay connected to my friends when I was at home. And so I just struggle. I'm reluctant 
to let them do these things, but it feels like they also need to do them because I got about four more years with my oldest before he's an adult, and a few more years after that for my daughter, and my baby can't ever leave. So you know what it's like, you know, so um, I'm reluctant. I feel this. I feel this. But I do it for his maturity, for their maturity. And I think that's what Jesus is, is conveying to us, that he might be reluctant to do lots of miracles, but we can trust him to give us what we need to grow our faith into a mature faith. And sometimes that is a miracle. Sometimes that is a miracle. I hope that's okay. I hope we're all on the same page with that. But John's gospel, Jesus is, is pretty reluctant about miracles. What does God want us to feel as we read this story? What's the experience that we should have that hits us personally besides knowing about Jesus' reluctance? Get comfortable with the people we dismiss getting blessed. That is the point of this story. Get comfortable with the people that you dismiss as undeserving getting blessed by the Lord. Uh, The story begins by telling us that this is a royal official from Capernaum and Tiberias. Uh, And now it's time for everyone's favorite game. Pastor James is a total nerd. Let me, this is my way to sneak a lecture into you, but I give you a fun slide ahead of time so that you think it's not an actually a a lecture. But um, I got to give you a little bit of historical background. So first of all, Jesus is walking all over Israel. Um, he only rides the donkey the one time. The rest of the time, he's just walking. And uh, from, his, from Cana, where he did the wedding, he goes down to Jerusalem, which is about 90 miles. Um, he's in Jerusalem. He, he's in the temple. He's pretty mad, flipping tables, made a little whip to whip some animals. He runs them out of the temple. Um, after that, he goes to some festivals, and he declares some I am statements about who he is in relation to those festivals. Then he walks up. They have to go through this county called Samaria, and in the middle of Samaria, they hated Samaritans. They hated them in Israel. They, called, they were half-bloods. They weren't true Israelites. They didn't do it right. And Jesus stops there and talks to this woman at this well in the city of Sychar in the county of Samaria. And then right after that, Jesus walks back to Cana where he was turning water into wine. The royal official, his son is up here in Capernaum, but we assume that he lives in Tiberias. I got to tell you about Tiberias. Um, Tiberias, where was it a city? And then, and then all of a sudden, uh, King Herod came and made a city. This is Herod Antipas. Uh, he's the one who killed John the Baptist. Anyways, he built a little city right here, right there on the Sea of Galilee because there were all these hot springs and he wanted a little vacation home, a little spa action to get away from the hard work of killing John the Baptist. And so he got out there by the sea of Galilee, right there next to where Jesus was born or lived as a child in Nazareth. The problem with this city is he built it on a cemetery. Oh, sorry, here's my picture of Spa. He built this on a cemetery, and so no good Jewish boys or girls would go in there. It was desecrated. This was an unholy place, an unsacred place. You aren't supposed to desecrate graves like this. In Judaism, for sure, they have such a value over cemeteries and graves. And so no one would go into his brand new city. And so he had to bring all these pagans from all over the Roman Empire to come run his brand new city. And so the word used for this royal official is basilikos, 
or royal official. This guy probably works for Herod, the bad guy, right? Rome, not Israel. The Roman conqueror, the Roman Empire. He probably lives in that unsacred city. And now he's coming to some guy that he just heard about that maybe does a little bit of miracles and he wants some help for his son. He's probably pagan. He probably works for the empire and he lives and works in that place of desecration, probably. John is vague. We don't know. What we do know is that in the mind of the first Jewish audiences, this guy probably doesn't deserve anything from God. He's the enemy of God's people. He doesn't deserve it. If anyone deserves a miracle, it should be me, right? Because I'm here. I want it. I'm doing it. I wouldn't go into that city with the cemetery underneath it. And what happens? His son is healed. And he and his entire household believe in Jesus. A New Testament professor out of uh, Belgium, uh, Cobus Koch, he says, this is the point of this story that the Son can give life to whoever he wants. That's what Jesus is teaching us, and that's what he wants us to experience about, about who we are as people, who we dismiss, who we think doesn't deserve. And Jesus shows up and says, I'll, do, I'll give a miracle to whoever I want. And you all can just get over it. I am the Son. I am the Logos of God, and I will bless whoever I want to bless. I will bless whoever I want to bless. Uh, churches. There are good and bad churches in the world. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I also think that, too. Some people think that about us. That's fine. People have lots of opinions. There are churches in town that I don't particularly like, I think aren't helpful or healthy for our community. Am I going to tell you which one? I would never tell you which ones. That would not be very Christ-like of me, but of course I have opinions about the healthiness of a church or how helpful they are to their community. I think there's a lot of toxicity going on in some places, and I don't appreciate them. And I say that because I think that about a couple places. And one time, my childhood friend, who was throwing his life away with drugs and just heading down a path that leads to death, ended up at a church that I thought was not particularly helpful to our community, and Jesus got a hold of him so fast turned his life around. It's been about, it's been years, and the man is fully committed to Jesus. Changed the direction for generations of his family, and the lesson for me is, James, keep your mouth closed, because God's going to use whoever God wants to use to bless whoever God wants to bless, and I can have a lot of opinions about who deserves and I can have a lot of opinions about who should be dismissed. And I can have a lot of opinions about who God should bless. And Jesus tells me to keep my opinions to myself. We can get it in our hearts that there are people that God shouldn't help. They don't deserve it. And God is going to fill your churches and heaven with those people. And you might just be so uncomfortable that you'll find yourself on the outside of all that because you're not enjoying what God is doing on the inside. And so the experience that, that God wants you to have is to be careful about that, that discriminatory, dismissive, who deserves what attitude we have going on because Jesus does what he wants. This is what he wants, right? And if you're not careful, you might, you might become real uncomfortable. I would hate for heaven to be uncomfortable for you because there's just a bunch of people there you didn't think should be there.
And they just might. They just might. And even more so. Right? This is where we, we think people find Jesus in the church. And if we start making it uncomfortable for them to be there or we start getting uncomfortable because they're here, it becomes harder to become the body of Christ because of uh, the attitudes we might have. So the point of this story is the son does what he wants. He'll heal whoever he wants to heal. And we should just get real comfortable with that real quick. What should we do then? What's the action? I really am going to promise to try not to make every action step from these signs to be about you having more faith. But that is the action step for this sign. And I got to be faithful to God's word. I know last week was like, uh, focus your faith on Jesus. Uh, Believe in Jesus, right? Believe the word of Jesus is what the action step of this story is. The royal official comes to him, and he leaves, and it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke. That's the action step. Are you doing that? This is what the encouragement is for you. Is your strength, is your faith strong enough to believe the word of Jesus? And not just at this moment, but his entire household believes. His entire house, I mean, that belief was so infectious and contagious, that man's experience with Jesus transformed his entire household. That's, um, that's, and then he goes, that's, this is the second miraculous sign. Like, that's the point of the sign, is to encourage us to have stronger faith. Will you let me do one more of these? You haven't had one in months. <laughs> but I got to say stuff, you know, so I got I to gotta sneak in another lecture, but I'm going to give you the slide first before I do it. Your son lives. Sorry, typo. Your son lives. Jesus uses the Greek phrase zoe. Uh, that's about spiritual life. Biological life is bios. It should be, and, and, and this is, you can't see it because we got, our English is limited. We only have really one word for lives here. Um, Jesus should, should said what, what should be there is your son bios. Your son lives biologically. He's alive, uh, but he doesn't. He says your son is spiritually alive. There's an encouragement for us about our faith, about our faith. And then, I think this is interesting, and take it, if, if you don't, that's fine. You can, if you want to take a nap for two minutes, please do. This is your two-minute time. He says, he believed the word of Jesus, pastuo laga yesos. This is believe, this is the log, word, this is Jesus. There's no J in, in Greek. We snuck that in there because my name's James, and it just is a better letter, but it's Jesus, right? Yeah. Chapter 1 opens. Chapter 1 of John opens. In the beginning was the word, the logos. John is forming this gospel beautifully, using the same words over and over again. Logos, 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 logos. This man has a transformative experience with Jesus because he believed the logos of Jesus, who is the logos of God. He is the word of God in our midst, in our flesh, Everything in this story wants you to put your faith in Jesus. Everything in the story wants you to put your faith in Jesus. Wants you to believe the word of Jesus. Partly we mean this, but partly we mean that Jesus is alive and ascended. It can have a relationship with you right now. We want you to follow him in a way that makes all the difference. He is the word. Faith, again, as we told you, is trust. It's not just believing that God exists. It's trusting. This man trusted Jesus when he said, your son lives. He went home. He didn't say, no, 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 come with me. I need you in the room. 
He said, okay, he believed the word of Jesus and he left. Faith is trust. He trusts. There's action involved. And that trust at a small level helps us begin to see and trust more deeply in this Jesus who desires us to have a strong faith. A real short cheesy example is the movie Aladdin for me. If you don't know this movie, there's a uh, a street kid, very poor. He accidentally meets a princess. Um, they're hanging out together. Uh, yeah, they're hanging out here. Um, and then he realizes that he could never marry her because he's not a prince. And also somehow he finds a genie. And then the genie um, says, hey, I can give you three wishes, but one of the wishes is that I can't make anyone fall in love with you. And he said, but what if we could lie and convince this woman that I'm actually a prince? Which is a really great way to start off relationships. I just think you know, like, lie about who you are. And so he uses this genie's power to put on this big parade to try to convince her that she, he is a prince so that he's finally equal enough to marry her. And they go on this magic carpet ride, and it's a whole new world. But she finds out. She finds out. She finds out. And in the midst of that is, is uh, in the midst of that like mistaken identity, that covering up of identity, um, there's a phrase about trust that I think illustrates the point well. 30-second clip. Take a look. Here you are. They're after me. They're after, after you? you? Oh, your father must have sent them to... Do you trust me? What? Do you trust me? Yes. For a ride, do you? We could get out of the palace, see the world. Is it safe? Sure. Do you trust me? What? Do you trust me? Yes. That's it. That's all you get. Oh, and it's going to play again. The trust. There's a trust. That's when the whole, that's when she starts realizing that something's going on is that phrase about trust. And I just think it illustrates a little bit of this point that Jesus is trying to make. That when we trust Jesus with small things, we can have a deeper faith that allows us to trust Jesus with the big things of our life. This passage wants you to put your faith in Christ in small ways and in big ways, teaching us that when we do it in small ways, it leads to big things. Faith and trust reveals, takes us deeper. The man trusted Jesus with his son, and then he trusts him now with his soul. And this whole passage from the word Lagos to Zoe to all of that is trying to get us to put our faith in one direction. To the king who stands in our midst. The one doing these signs that point beyond their self to the greater reality of who Jesus is. And so the passage leaves you with a question, right? What about you? Are you looking for miracles or are you looking for the maker of all things? Like, what's going on in your spiritual journey that has caused you to come this far? And John desperately hopes that you will have faith in a way that leads you to Jesus, the center of all of that spirituality, all of that uh, supernatural reality, that you'll find it in Christ, the one who is the miracle maker, not the one who just dispenses miracles every once in a while. And that will make all the difference in the world. Uh, Questions, comments, criticisms, concerns, tomatoes. Not a question. Somebody just said thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you too. 
conclusion, here is it, and we're wrapping up and heading into a time of communion. A faith that is make or break on miracles won't make it. This is John's promise to you, uh, because... Uh, Jesus is pretty reluctant to even do miracles because he doesn't want us to have the types of faith that constantly needs miracles. And if he gives you one, he's going to have to give you some later because that's just human nature that we forget. And then he's going to have to give them to your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids. And that type of faith is just not the kind of faith that makes a difference in your life. So Jesus may be reluctant to do lots of miracles, but we can trust him to give us what we need to make our faith stronger. Also, the experience that Jesus wants you to have in this passage is that you need to get real comfortable with God blessing the people that we dismiss. And I'll let you do the uh, internal homework about who that might be for you. Uh, but it's human experience for you to be uncomfortable with some people. And so be bringing that before the Lord. And lastly, we've got to focus your faith on Jesus. We've got to believe the word of Jesus uh, so that it makes all the difference in our life. And with that, would you pray with me as we head into communion? Holy Spirit, Would you be in these elements and on these people so that as we come, we may draw close to you, that our faith may be strengthened through the partaking of this bread and of this cup. Would your Holy Spirit make it a time of communion with you that we would be drawn to the center of our faith, to you, Jesus, in our midst. Help us to see you, help us to experience you so that we can continue to place our faith more deeply in you. Father, lots of us have needs uh, and lots of us could use divine blessing and you are not unwilling. And so I pray that this is a place too that we can come and lay our needs before you and pray for you to work miraculously in our lives. Help us to See the yes if your answer is yes and help us to understand the no if the answer is no. But ultimately, we do lay those here before you so that we can just be close to you. That's what we desire, knowing full well that proximity to you, closeness to you, nearness to you is the thing that you desire and the thing that is best for us. Help us to experience that now in this bread and as we leave this place together. And all God's people said, amen. Would you help me finish this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer? Saying, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.